Well, welcome back to 15 Minutes of Fascism, an unfortunately topical podcast covering the global rise of the radical right. I'm Craig Johnson. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking still more about QAnon. We're probably going to be talking about that for quite a while now. Um, we're going to talk about um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and her discussions about fascism. And then finally, we're going to talk about Steve Bannon, uh, former White House chief of staff and chief Trump strategist, uh, now prisoner. All right, so since last week, uh, the QAnon conspiracy theory has been getting a whole lot more press coverage uh, in the United States and abroad, um, partly because of the result of the success of several congressional candidates. Uh, these are uh, people who are affiliates or believers in the QAnon conspiracy theory, people who are affiliated with the movement. Um, uh, now, this has also been exacerbated by the fact that Donald Trump, the president, during a press conference, was asked a question about QAnon. You know, a reporter asked him if he had heard of these people and, you know, what he thought about their belief that he was at the head of this global effort to dismantle a child pornography and child trafficking, sex trafficking ring. Uh, Trump's response was basically like, so what if I am? Wouldn't that be a good thing? Um, which is precisely the sort of like, yes and no, I don't exactly know what I'm talking about, but like leaning into this kind of conspiracism that he is capable of doing, right? He doesn't really have anything to gain by openly embracing this movement, openly embracing this conspiracy theory, but it is aiding him significantly. Um, because it enables him to help his followers uh, see his enemies as like morally corrupt, crazy people, um, which helps with the exactly the kind of like um, us versus them, friend versus fro kind of politics that he is particularly good at. Uh, this helps them see Trump as a savior uh, in this like child trafficking scenario, when of course, like, if there is a global organization of people who are grooming and abducting young women for pedophilia and for sex trafficking, um, Donald Trump is probably, you know, it stands to reason that he would be just as involved as any other billionaire person. Um, like, if this involves the people that the QAnon conspiracists believe that it does, then it definitely involves Trump too. Uh, and I also want to be clear that this pedophilia sex trafficking aspect of the conspiracy theory is a part of a wider conspiracy theory that has links back to all sorts of other conspiracisms, um, back to like, you know, 90s New World Government type conspiracies, um, back to anti-Semitic conspiracy theories from the 20th century, all the way back to anti-Masonic conspiracy theories from the 19th and 18th centuries. Um, which are essentially all about, you know, a secret cabal of people behind the scenes pulling the strings for not just like world domination purposes, but for like nefarious, creepy, immoral purposes, right? Usually involving children, usually involving maiming or eating or abusing children. Uh, so it's not a particular surprise that this kind of thing has resurfaced in the present day. We also have to recall that uh, the QAnon conspiracy theory uh, is now a part of the makeup of the United States Congress, 
because of the success of the Republican primary challengers uh, that have won effectively safe seats for the Republican Party. This means that they're just going to be in Congress saying this crazy crap about, you know, this secret global cabal that actually runs things when, of course, they're like, <laughs> they'll be sitting Congress persons that they are part of the group of people that do actually have a significant amount of power in running the world. And um, as a short aside, speaking of conspiracy theories, uh, the other day, a what appears to be an automated account of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, uh, tweeted out uh, a PDF of uh, the document, uh, The Protocols of the Elders of Zion. Uh, now, if you don't know what this document is, it is a forgery, um, supposedly purporting to be uh, basically the minutes or like, you know, the program that came out of a meeting of one of these secret cabals, in this case, uh, a Jewish one. Uh, it's from the 19th century. I'm pretty sure that it was originally uh, written in what was then the Russian Empire. And the purpose of the document is to, you know, sort of lay bare this global Jewish conspiracy, right? Uh, it's a seminal text for anti-Semitic movements for modern anti-Semitism uh, in Europe, Latin America, the United States, India, China, all over the world. Um, anti-Semitic conspiracy theorists, Nazis, fascists of many kinds, use this document and claim that it's real or use elements of the document or tropes that it uh, basically solidified. Uh, the fact that it's fake is well known. Uh, the document itself is actually relatively well known. You might have heard of it before. Um the fact that the FBI tweeted it, um, seemingly without comment, uh, did draw some amount of attention, uh, especially from the people who uh, study and pay attention to the right wing, as I do. Um, it appears as if this account was like an automated bot um, that maybe tweets out documents that have been surfaced or uh, granted to uh, petitioners in a FOIA request and a Freedom of Information Act request. Um, however, the fact that like this means that some troll realized that they could just get the FBI to tweet this out of an official account, uh, figured it out and did it, um, which is awful. Uh, it's 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 pretty transparently terrible um, that this is the world we live in. All right, next we're gonna keep talking about uh, fascism, but uh, this time we're talking about uh, recent comments. Uh, made by Congressperson Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, usually uh, referred to in the media by AOC, recently made a comment uh, this week, the week of the Democratic National Convention, that ultimately the election this November is about, quote, fighting fascism, preventing fascism from entering power in the United States or for maintaining its power. Uh, this makes her one of the, if not the most prominent Democrat in the United States, to actually use, quote, the F-word, uh, fascism, to describe Trump and his administration. Now, if you are a listener to the podcast or somebody who has uh, let me talk your ear off about this before, you'll know that I have a lot of opinions about this. Um, Trump himself is not a fascist. However, there are a lot of fascists in his uh, political universe. There are fascists that are part of his political coalition. I would argue that it's the most helpful and most historically accurate to think about Trump and his administration and their behavior in the context of previous American authoritarian moves, uh, that is, North American authoritarianisms, that are not fascist. Um, partly because 
if those organizations, groups, movements, governments were deemed to be fascist, then that label would be potentially applicable to dozens, uh, if not all major modern political governments in the United States, Europe, Latin America, much of the rest of the world, uh, which would make the label not particularly useful. Um, what Trump is doing, suppressing the election, suppressing votes, all that sort of stuff, um, flirting with the use of police and state violence in order to prevent his opponents from gaining power, that stuff is the Jim Crow South, right? Um, and the Jim Crow South was a racist apartheid state, but fascism is something different, although related and disgusting also. The things that uh, do potentially push Trump in the direction of fascism are, as I've mentioned many times before, the fact that there are violent partisan elements of his political coalition, the fact that he flirts with, you know, liking, using, allying with militia movements, with openly fascist groups like the Proud Boys uh, and their ilk, that pushes him in this direction. The fact that his politics is about us versus them, about friend versus foe, is an element that is common in fascist politics, uh, although I don't think that it's a sufficient condition. It might be a necessary one, but it's not sufficient. In any case, Trump is a right-wing demagogue who is facilitating and facilitated by the rise of fascism in the United States. Much like other leaders uh, throughout the Western world, um, and even in places uh, that, you know, you might argue are not the Western world, but are also deeply part of this rising trend of right-wing governments and violence uh, from the Philippines to India. Uh, you know who is a fascist, though, is Steve Bannon. Uh, Steve Bannon, former chief strategist uh, and chief of staff for Donald Trump, uh, one of the primary architects of his political victory in 2016, uh, who has recently been taken prisoner. Uh, he was captured in a yacht off the coast of New England. Uh, he has been uh, charged for money laundering. Apparently he was misusing funds that he had uh, crowdsourced in order to build Trump's wall on the border with Mexico. Or if you uh, remember that particular political promise that Trump made in 2016. Now, there's definitely a very good thing about this. You know, I'm a prison abolitionist, so it's not as if I categorically want anybody to be in jail. But if I was going to make an exception, it would probably be somebody like Steve Bannon, who is an actual fascist and also, as it turns out, clearly a criminal. Uh, of course, many other commentators have pointed out that he hasn't been arrested for the things that he is the most disgustingly guilty of racism, creeping fascism, helping Donald Trump get in office, uh, all of which have resulted in the actual real deaths and suffering of people, primarily people of color, women, trans people. Uh, what he was arrested for was stealing money from other white people, primarily. You know, people who uh, thought that they were funding the building of Trump's wall, but were apparently funding Steve Bannon's lifestyle in some capacity. Now, since being fired from the Trump White House, which happened relatively early in the Trump administration, you know, we're talking 2017, Bannon sort of spent a while as a kind of international pariah, but then he started, you know, coddling up to right-wing 
political groups in Europe. Uh, we're talking the uh, nationalists in Italy. And this is a political party called the Lega, which was previously known as the Lega Nord, uh, because it was a, originally a regionalist party. Uh, now it's a pan-Italian nationalist party. Bannon also had connections with the Front National, which again has changed its name several times, but ultimately it's still the same political organization uh, that was run by Le Pen, uh, a famous French quasi-fascist nationalist who ran for president several times and whose daughter, Marie Le Pen, uh, then ran for president several other times and whose niece, uh, also a person named Le Pen, uh, is now the leading face of the party, uh, presumably hoping to run for president later. Bennett spent this while in this sort of like international exile, uh, and then earlier this year uh, began a podcast, uh, and this podcast was going to be about China. It was going to be about the involvement of China in American politics, uh, a fascist narrative about international globalists who are taking over the government and influencing your politicians. This is pretty standard stuff. Of course, when the coronavirus pandemic became the most important news story about China, Bannon, because he is actually an incredibly brilliant political operative, immediately saw that this was going to be the most important news story, potentially of the decade, potentially of the century, you know, he would say. The podcast quickly came to be a podcast about the coronavirus pandemic, long before uh, many other outside, as in non-alt-right sources, were paying attention to it. So this kind of brought Bannon a little bit more attention and a little bit more kudos from mainstream media. This is disturbing because Bannon is the real deal. Bannon is an actual fascist. Uh, I talk a lot about how Trump isn't exactly a fascist. You know, this person isn't exactly a fascist, yada, yada, yada. Steve Bannon is a fascist. Um, he believes in the violent production of a new government, a new nation, a new man, you know, a new human man, like a new type of person to inhabit that world. He thinks that the order of the United States is due for a collapse and that that collapse is going to be good, uh, that it will produce a more robust, whole, healthy, hale kind of civilization. These are exactly the kinds of things you heard from the Nazi party back in the 1930s. He's an open nationalist. He is not an open racist, which differentiates him from many of the other people on the alt-right. Uh, but his nationalism skirts up against racism. You know, he uses a lot of uh, xenophobic and anti-East Asian stereotypes when he talks about what he claims to be the coming and inevitable and probably, in his opinion, actually very good rivalry between the United States and China. Bannon's fascism was also very informed. Uh, we know that he read actual fascists. The, he had them on his bookshelf in the White House. Um, we're talking Evola, who is a prominent Italian fascist intellectual. We're talking uh, De Carvalho, who is a Brazilian traditionalist intellectual of some stripe, who now lives in the United States. We're even talking uh, modern, that is, contemporary United States theorists, uh, primarily those of Silicon Valley, the people who believe in something called the Dark Enlightenment, which would be a really interesting focus for a future episode of the show, uh, If I Had a Slow Week. Uh, people like 
Mincius Moldbug, uh, whose real name is Curtis Yarvin, a techie in the Bay Area who founded a tech company and made a lot of money, and then also spent a lot of the late 2000s into the 2010s running a blog that purported to be, you know, this new intellectual synthesis, something that was uh, advocating either for a constitutional monarchy, like the end of democracy, or corporate governance, the end of democracy. And these are people who are openly racist, blatantly fascist, people who are authoritarian, people who don't believe in democracy, people who think that people shouldn't govern themselves, people who think that certain types of human beings are better than others. These are the people that formed the intellectual bedrock of Trump's political strategy in 2016. And I am overjoyed at the fact that Bannon's arrest means that he cannot possibly legitimately lead Trump's re-election campaign this time around. I was very worried that that was going to happen because the fact is that Bannon is actually very good at this kind of thinking. I don't know how he's going to get out of this. I hope that he doesn't. I hope that he ceases to be a force in uh, politics in the United States and Europe because if he and other people like him who are smart and good at what they do become more powerful, we're going to see fascism rising much more blatantly in the United States and elsewhere. Okay, that's it for this week. Uh, I want to once again thank Sleepy Kitty Arts for our graphics and Sleepy Kitty Music for our intro and outro music. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you.